Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You want to talk about fasting? How about you do this stuff? How about you do this stuff? How about you quit playing church and you do what I've asked you to do? You want to talk about fasting? There you go. This was not happening with the Pharisees. It was all show. It was all show. Jesus even called them out for it. When they fasted, they would put on a look about their face to let you know visibly that they were fasting. They were in anguish, right? They're like, oh, I wish I could eat that, but I'm fasting. It's no secret that in today's politics, there's a lot of theatrics taking place. Politicians showing up at some crisis just long enough to pick up a shovel and take that picture. What hypocrisy. In today's message, Pastor James teaches us that as God's people, we should be different. We should care for the lost world around us and minister to those in need. We shouldn't do anything for recognition of man or for show, but out of a love for God and an obedience to his word. This is what's pleasing to God. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 2 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We've been walking slowly through the Gospel of Mark, and Jesus is really just kind of like causing trouble. And I don't know if you know this, but back then, concerning Jesus and the religious world, Jesus was a troublemaker. He was. He was a troublemaker, and I love that so much about him. It's one of the main things I appreciate about Jesus was he was a rebel for the right reasons. For the right reasons. Because man thought they had it figured out. We really, we get that way. We can take stuff that God lays out before us, and we will take that, and we will run with that, and we think we have better ideas than God does, or better understanding than God does, and we'll make a whole brand new thing, and then God shows up, and he's like, what are you doing? (laughs) That's not what I said. And Jesus, he's God in flesh, shows up, and he's like, no, 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 no. That's not what it's about. That's not what I was talking about. You took it to a whole nother level that I never asked you to take it to. And that kind of, that's where we're going to be with fasting. Because fasting, which was, you know, given to the, the people of Israel, it was instituted and all that good stuff, meant for the Day of Atonement, one annual fast every year was taken into, and it's just blown into this whole thing of like, Pharisees are now fasting every Monday and every Thursday. And we're fasting because we are going to pull on the heartstrings of God and we are going to make him answer our prayers and make him do what we want him to do. And fasting is going to be how that happens. And Jesus shows up and he's like, what? Really? I think you missed it. I think you missed it. So my prayer for us today concerning fasting, because fasting is something that all Christians should be doing. I'm going to tell you that right now. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are expected to fast. It's not optional. It's not. Jesus says, when you fast, not if you fast or, you know, if you feel like it, fast. And, and it's not even, it goes beyond a physical thing. It says you can fast, you're maybe intermittent fasting. That's a, not a bad idea, I guess. I know that a lot of people support that. I'm for it. I think it's a great idea. But that's not what we're talking about. 
Jesus says, when you fast, here's how you do it. So fasting is a part of it. Jesus is not against fasting. He himself fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness when he was led out into the wilderness by the, by the spirit. But he's about to once again kind of mess up the system for the religious folk out there. Verse 18 is, let's read through this real quick. Verses 18 through 22, it says this. Once when John's disciples, that's John the Baptist, his disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people, probably John's disciples and the Pharisees, came to Jesus and asked, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them, but someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch an old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. Interesting little parables that Jesus just drops on these guys as they're like, it's funny how Jesus is just going along. He's, you know, he just called Matthew, the tax collector. Jesus is walking around the Sea of Galilee. There's Matthew. There's that traitor, that turncoat, that uh, betrayer of the nation of Israel. He has aligned himself with the Roman government. And Jesus stops by his tax collecting booth and says, hey, Matthew, hey, Levi, Levi is his name. They're one and the same. Come and follow me. So he left his tax collecting booth. He left his nice, comfortable, secure job. Side note, just so you know, Jesus isn't going to call every one of you away from your nice, good jobs. Okay? So if you're like, I still work in my job, man. Am I doing this wrong? No, you're probably doing it right. He doesn't call everybody away from the tax collecting booth, but he did call one away from the tax collecting booth. Okay? So don't feel bad if you're like, well, I like my job. I like my career. Good. Do it for the Lord. Stay where you're at. Do it for the Lord unless he calls you out of it. If he doesn't call you out of it, stay put and be the best fill in the blank that you can possibly be for Jesus. It's simple. It's really simple. Okay? Don't let anybody put a guilt trip on you saying, oh, you should, you know, you should sell all and devote yourself totally to the Lord and follow him. If that's what he calls you to do, then you do that. If he hasn't called you to do that, which applies to most, then don't do it. And don't feel bad about it. We need good doctors. We need good nurses. We need good fill-in-the-blank carpenters and chiropractors. And I'll just go through the list here. We need all these good Christian things, these things in this world. Okay, and you know who needs it more? The lost. The lost. They need good Christians in all these different types of industries. If we all leave the world and huddle up, that's horrible. What are we doing? That's not the mission. The mission is to be in the world, but not of the world. Okay? Jesus calls Levi. Levi gets up follows him. Levi throws a party for Jesus, and there ain't nothing there but a bunch of sinners. And Jesus is having a celebration with a bunch of sinners, because sinners who know they're sinners are attracted to a Savior. 
Okay, that's how that works generally. Do are they always attracted to the Savior? No, they don't always want Jesus. But ones who know they're lost, they'll run to Jesus. They're looking for Him, and this is a good incentive for you to share the gospel because I think more people than what you realize are looking for hope. Sometimes we'll be like, "Well, I don't. Why would I say? Do you know this world we live in? It's so dark, and it's and and people are so much more now so against Jesus and the church." Don't make assumptions because, number one, you're not God. You don't know people's hearts. You don't know people's situations. So if you're out there and you have an opportunity to share the gospel, share the gospel. If they reject you, let them reject you. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting him. Jesus even told us that. He told his disciples. There are lost people out there who long to be found, I believe. There are blind people out there spiritually who long to see. There are dying ones. I mean, they're walking around in these bodies of death. They want to be made alive. Work and serve under that assumption that people actually want to know about Jesus. That's the better assumption. And if they tell you no, they tell you no. It's cool. It's fine. Don't get your feelings hurt. Just move on. All right? It's not personal. So this is Jesus at Levi's house, tax collectors, and of course, the religious ones who were there were like, whoa, 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 whoa. You are breaking bread with these degenerates. You are like becoming one with them by sharing bread and dipping into the same common sauce. And Jesus, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm doing what you should have been doing the whole time. I'm actually fulfilling the law. All these extra add-ons and stuff, that's man. There's some problems there and all this good stuff, and he addresses them. You know, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I came to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So he kind of drops that nice little bombshell on them, and then he goes on. And then it, this is probably another day. It could be the next day. It could be a couple of days. We don't really know. It doesn't matter. It's time-wise. But we know that there's another issue because now these guys are watching him more and more closely than ever before. And it doesn't take us long. Actually, Mark chapter 3 is when they're going to start plotting against him because they've just about had enough of this rebel. So now he messes with the sacred thing concerning fasting. And so the question comes up through much observation and says, once John, and that is John the Baptist, and just so you know, John the Baptist at this moment in time is in jail. So he still had some followers, some disciples. Actually, he had followers for quite a while because we even see some later on in the book of Acts. There was a group of people and they were disciples of John. Paul's like, well, haven't you received the Holy Spirit? And they're like, we don't even know if there's a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? And Paul's like, oh, um, okay. Look, let's start from the beginning. But we know that there, were, there was a group of individuals who had devoted themselves to John the Baptist. Not a bad guy. Not a bad guy. In fact, the greatest man born to a woman, as Jesus would say. That's a compliment. That's a great compliment. But when the greatest thing shows up, you leave the good thing for the greatest thing. 
And I'm only talking about spiritual church stuff, okay? So do not apply that to any other, especially if you're married. Do not, do not, because if the grass is greener, it's because of manure, okay? That's all I'm saying, right? Just appreciate what you have. It's a gift of God, okay? Jesus shows up, and John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's like, that's the guy. So he pointed to all his followers like, you know, he's the one. He's the one I was preparing the way for, which is an indication of like, stop following me and follow that guy. Some did, some did not. The ones who did not are the ones within the story. As Jesus is going around, they're watching his popularity gain and grow. And you can imagine being part of that group, which was once the, the it group, so to speak, right? They were hanging out with John the Baptist there in the wilderness, by the, probably by the Jordan River. Uh, they could have been dunking him in other places as well, but we'll say the Jordan River. And crowds were flocking to them. So you can understand that that probably had some sort of, you know, kind of joy with it. Like, we're connected to this guy. This guy's famous, and we're connected to him. And then this other guy shows up, and now all the crowds have left us to follow him. Well, you should have gone too. You should have gone too. But they didn't. And in fact, it seems as though they've almost like connected themselves to another group. Because really, there's a pairing that's happening here. It's John's disciples and the Pharisees. Why are you two together? You should be John's disciples, formerly John's disciples, now disciples of Jesus. But that's not what we're told. They're together with the Pharisees. It says, once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. So this could have been on a Monday. This could have been on a Thursday. Some people came to Jesus and asked, wait, wait, wait. Why don't your disciples fast like these guys? Why are you guys always partying? Why are you guys always celebrating? You're never fasting. It's Monday. You're supposed to be fasting. Why aren't you fasting? It's Thursday. Why aren't you fasting? And they come to Jesus with this concerning him, his methodology, and all this good stuff. And Jesus just, as beautifully and as amazing as he always does, says, hold on. Let me ask you a question. Let me recenter your, your thought process here. Because fasting is connected to mourning and typically with repentance, sackcloth and ashes and things like that. He says to them in verse 19, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? And he likens himself, he's the groom. And I'll tell you this, in a Jewish wedding, especially back in this day, they didn't last a day, they lasted a week. And it was a party, a celebration. And they knew, like, even when these wedding feasts were going on, you don't fast during the wedding celebration. Why? Because a wedding celebration is just that. It's a celebration. It should be an abundance of joy. Nobody wants that person to show up to their wedding who's like got this sad look on their face and they're all like dirty because of the ashes and the dirt and they get their potato sack on and all this good stuff. And you're like, now's not the time. Now's not the time for this, for sorrow. Now's the time for celebration. You're at a wedding. You're not at a funeral. 
And we know the difference between the two. And I've done, I've officiated both. And you don't want the funeral guy to show up at the wedding. You want the wedding guys. You want the ones who are like, no, there's a dance floor for a reason. Celebrate. Have fun. Joy. And Jesus is like, I'm the groom. And you want them to fast? No, that doesn't make sense. We don't do that. Now's not the time for fasting. But there will be a time for fasting. There will be, because Jesus is is indicating right now, nobody would get this, when he was talking, he was hinting towards his death. There was going to be a time when fasting was necessary. And he's not saying, no, we don't fast anymore. He never said that. He said, we just don't fast right now. Because right now, we celebrate. And this is a good indication that this was not happening during the Day of Atonement, because if the Day of Atonement and that celebration was going on, I'm sure Jesus was fasting. I'm sure just like everybody else, he was fasting. But was he fasting on Mondays and Thursdays? Probably not. Because that's their role. That's not God's role. And they have a problem with this. They have a real problem with this, and it goes deeper than just surface-type religion stuff. Here's one of their main reasons with this. Like I said before, they were under the assumption that they were seeking out moral purity nationwide, simply for this, to be set free of Roman control. And if everybody just get their act together and would just fast, we'd be free. And Jesus, don't you care about us? Don't you care about our country? Don't you want to be set free, Jesus? Because if you did, you'd be fasting. Sounds a lot like something else, huh? I'm not making those connections. You can make those connections if you want to. But they were upset because he was not on board with them. He was not on board with them. So it seemed. Because there, for them, the biggest issue they had was the fact that they were under the control of the Roman Empire. And they wanted to be set free from that. And their expectation from the Messiah initially was that he was going to set them free from Rome. Jesus is like, no, I came to set you free from sin. From sin. But Jesus, why don't you want us to be free from this oppressive government? He's like, that's not your biggest issue. And number one, you are trying to manipulate God through your fasting. This is not going to work. That's not going to work. In fact, let me, let me read you this. This is from Isaiah 58. I'm just going to read you the whole chapter, so hang tight. Let me just read this. This is um, Isaiah 58. You can turn there if you'd like. I'm not going to lie to you, but uh, it's, you can turn there. Verse 1 says, Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious, so holy, so righteous kind of a deal. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near to me. We have fasted before you, they say. 
Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. Yikes. There you go. This is God speaking to the nation of Israel, in case you haven't caught on to this. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? Because it's kind of a show. It's a manipulation tactic is really what it is. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Here you go. Here's your outline for fasting. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide, this is funny, from relatives who need your help. You're like, can, what? No, like, what? Um, do you know my family? I don't know your family, all right? Just, how good are you doing at the rest of the list, okay? You can work on that one. Everybody's like, oh, man. Um, so this, verse 8, then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will heal quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry, help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath and everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor, Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. Mic drop. There you go. You want to talk about fasting? How about you do this stuff? How about you do this stuff? How about you quit playing church and you do what I've asked you to do? You want to talk about fasting? There you go. This was not happening with the Pharisees. It was all show. It was all show. Jesus even called them out for it. When they fasted, they would put on a look about their face to let you know visibly that they were fasting. They were in anguish. Right? They're like, oh, I wish I could eat that, but I'm fasting. Well, that looks so good, but I'm, you know, I'm fasting. I'm fasting. And you're like, what are you doing? Who are you kidding? That's not for God. That's for you.
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the Gospel of Mark. This book is fast-paced. You'll notice as you keep studying with us that Jesus was on the move quite a lot. He did what needed to be done, and then he moved on to the next thing. Jesus packed a lot of service into his time here on earth, culminating in the greatest act of sacrifice ever, dying on the cross for everybody. If Jesus was consistently moving and serving, shouldn't we also be doing the same? Our faith doesn't say that we should just sit back and let others do the work. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus right here, right now. So go and do whatever it is that the Lord has gifted you with. Go share the good news of the gospel and then demonstrate it by how you love and serve people. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston and we would love to meet you. Visit breadforthebroken.com for more information. Would you like to do something for us? Would you pray for your fellow listeners? Pray that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Please pray for us too, that we would continue to follow Jesus' leading no matter where it takes us. If you feel like God is leading you to partner with us financially, all donations are greatly appreciated, no matter what the size is. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for coming alongside us in sharing the gospel message. That's all that we have for today. Join Pastor James next time for more here on Bread for the Broken. Let me... Of you, babe.